Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the podcast that listens to you. I don't know what that means. Yeah, should we sit in silence for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here you go. We're just gonna take an opportunity it, and uh, it's your hey, time, listener. This is your time. Tell Marty and Dan what's up. What's on your mind? And go. I don't know. That sounds like your fault to me. <laughs> it sounds like Listen, you're in the wrong there. I'm either very happy for you or sorry that happened. I don't know what. I think it's on you, bud. I think you got to apologize. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that. Yeah, no, that 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 one's your fault. Yeah. Do we do we want to do another? Yeah, yeah. One one more time. One more All time. Right, Here right, we go. This All time right. we're gonna give it some time. We're gonna give it some time. We're gonna let them really explain their deal. Yeah, just really. <laughs> okay. Funny stuff. <laughs> That's a good anecdote. Uh, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with that one, actually. Yeah, uh, no, I, I appreciate that, that it. That went in a place I didn't, I didn't care for. Uh, we're having a good time, the three of us. <laughs> You're part of this now. Welcome. That's right. That's right. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. <laughs> I'm the other host, Dan Loading. Breaking and you're this our third host. Act, this show actively encouraging a parasocial relationship. <laughs> and you're our third host. This is where you say your name. Oh my god, we're an episode of fucking Blue's Clues. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm Marty Schneider, he's Dan Ludwig. Welcome to Breaking Mayberry, a television podcast about the Andy Griffith Show and Baby Boomer podcast in general. Uh, hey Dan. Hey Marty. Wedding registries are weird. Yeah, they are. <laughs> are, are you encountering this now? We're, Dan and I are both getting married this year. Uh, not to each other, although... You know, Dan. If I was if I was gonna pick an, another person to spend my life with, it would well probably not be you. You're probably like fourth or fifth on my list. Yeah, I was but. about to say I, that was about to be awkward. I got I got Paul ready to go. He's yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, got, I got I got other friends. Yeah, yeah. You're my best friend. Paul's my boyfriend. Dan and I are both getting married this year, and I'm going through some weird stuff planning our our wedding. Uh, registries don't make sense anymore, right? Like Sarah and I have been living together for like five years and so i've got all the pots and pans i need Mm -hmm. you know not only we've been living together for five years but also like every square inch of our apartment is meticulously planned out yeah so i don't know i'm I'm trying to do things like do i ask for a playstation 5 on my wedding registry is that tacky no, that should know. be the only thing you ask for. I, I So I'm not doing wedding presents. We're doing a not wedding wedding. We're doing the chillest possible form of a wedding. One that right. You're also doing a, you're also doing like a destination wedding, right? And you if you yeah. if you're doing a destination wedding and you're not paying for people to fly out, you can't ask for presents. No, and it, it keeps coming up, and we're just kind of like we're we're basically holding the line on wedding shit, where we're just like, not this, no, no gifts, because then it's another thing, and it's another thing. If we ask, if we accept gifts, then people will expect this, and then now we have to buy everybody dinner, and then we're doing a hotel block, and we're so it's just like we're like it. T- if we give an inch, 
the wedding will take a mile. Right, right. You can't you can't let anything. We had the you same experience. You not show weakness. We didn't want to do any of it, right? We didn't want to do a wedding thing. In, in Pennsylvania, you don't need an officiant, so we were going to skip the whole ceremony part and just kind of marry ourselves. But we said, okay, well, I still want to have a party. Well, if I have a party, that means I have to give a venue. And if I have a venue, I'm probably need food and probably a DJ. And oh, motherfucker, I'm planning a wedding. It just happens. This it's is just inescapable. A, this is just a wedding. Uh, it, you know, what, honestly, what uh, what made the call is, and I'll say this on, on the air, uh, is her dad gave us money for the wedding. But yeah. When her da- but when her dad gives us money, that opens up the guest list to family, to her family, which mm-hmm. extends to my family, which means, you know, suddenly this is a bigger thing. Her family's been surprisingly chill about this, though. Like, there hasn't been a whole lot of familial expectations, but going from none to any is, is annoying, right? Yeah. So... So the we, the so wedding we, industrial we, complex gets its due in the end. You can't escape it. So we have to sit there and kind of do like, okay, what's the bound? What's the like line between wedding and uh, party? Right. If I pay for this, is it a party or a wedding? What kind of blurs it? You know. Uh, and honestly, what what made the decision for us is seating chart. Yeah. If I am if I am assigning seats to people, if I am choosing where people go. Based on like how well I know them or how much I think they know each other or like whether or not I think they'll hook up at my wedding, like if I'm if I'm arranging that mata- that uh, that level, then it's a wedding. It's not a party. Yeah, but it's also like I've never had a party except for like a rent party where I am expecting people to give me money in exchange mm. for this party. I are you? I don't. I'm not doing a seating chart. Do you? Are you taking a delight in playing God with seating charts? Of just like like playing puppeteer and being like, See, we're, oh, we're, we're, you guys say, are going to fight. You guys are going to get along. Ooh, maybe if I put them at this table, they'll hook up. Ooh-hoo. See, that's what I said. We're not doing that. We're specifically not doing oh. the seating chart. But God, that'd be fun, right? Like that's. Mm. I feel it's got to like, be the best part. I feel like I've I've been I've been to a lot of weddings. I've been to a lot of good weddings. I've been to a lot of bad weddings, and I feel like you know. You do weddings to make your fam. Your wedding isn't about you, right? The wedding is never about the couple. Yeah. The wedding is about making your family happy and spiting your friends. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. Because I have been through so many other people's weddings, and now I'm sitting there going like, guess what, motherfuckers? Your turn. Why am I making you do a speech? Because you have a fear of public speaking. And also, this is the only time in my life when I can force people to say nice things about me. Yeah. Like... You don't get to do that. The only other time I get to like gather people in a room and make them say nice things about me is when I'm dead. Yeah. So, I'm I, some, someone else I know is planning a wedding and they said they weren't doing speeches. I said, "Fuck that." Yeah. Fuck make that. Everybody do a speech. Everybody. Like de- even including the 8-year-olds, make them all do speeches. Oh, yeah, everyone's doing a speech, including you, the listener, right now. Give a speech about Marty, now! Thank you, that meant a lot coming from you. Are they supposed All right. to pause to do these, or are these, like, like blasts? Uh, <laughs> just putting them really on the spot. Just shouting a speech. <laughs> ah, he's a great guy! <laughs> I think that's good enough. I think this is enough of, like, wedding chat with Marty and Dan. Expect a lot more of that as we like str- as we struggle for introductions. Yeah, uh, as this slowly consumes more and more of our lives. Okay, so today's episode of the Andy Griffith Show, we're talking about season five, episode four, 
The Education of Ernest T. Bass. Uh, originally airs October 12th, 1964, written by Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzel, directed by Alan Rafkin. Mm-hmm. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Ernest T. Bass tries to earn his diploma after his girl calls him illiterate. His antics badly disrupt Helen's classroom. Okay, so this is a Billy Madison episode, right? It's weird how similar this is to Billy Madison. Yeah, this is it, like a hyper-realistic version of Billy Madison. And and it's very clearly, like, influence, right? You can even hear a couple of these Ernest T. lines in Sandler's voice. Yeah. You know? Uh, so here's the thing. That that description right there covered, I'm going to say, 80% of the episode. Mm-hmm. The other 20% of this episode revolves around, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, for the second time this season, uh, Oedipal Obsession with Mother Figures. Yeah! It's so weird. Directed at the same woman. Sexual desire for mothers. Uh, and, and arousal at discipline. I... <sighs> It's the second fucking time this season. We've only done three episodes. It was a weird time for the men of America, specifically the wealthy white ones. They were figuring some stuff out. This was kind of the puberty of uh, of the um, of the rich American male. So, you know, there's it's just a, them getting it out of their system. They're just figuring stuff out by torturing this one fictitious woman. Uh, so, as you do. So th- this is a this is a Greenbaum Fritzel episode, and they switch off. I've noticed. Like sometimes it's Fritzel Greenbaum, sometimes it's Greenbaum Fritzel. Uh, this is Greenbaum first, and I've got a feeling Fritzel may have been like, eh, maybe don't put my name on this one, buddy. Yeah. Uh, like this this is definitely Greenbaum working some shit out. <laughs> this script came in sticky. They <laughs> There were a lot of dark spots on this thing. Alright. We we've teased this out enough. God, it's 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 gross in a way that it doesn't need to be. And it's it's so gross. Weird. It's it it's it's doing one whole weird thing, and then in the middle of the weird thing, it just goes like, what if this was nasty? What if we just made this gross, guys? Do you want to do that? I know we were all having some fun, but, like, what if one of us just started jerking off? Would that be cool and funny? Look, I, I know that, like, sometimes actual Andy Griffith fans listen to this ep- this show, and I... I- Sometimes we read into things a little too heavily. I I know that that's kind of our shtick is you know kind of like hyperbolic, like forcing stuff that isn't there. This is there. It's this explicitly is very stated. much there. So uh, let's, let's go. Let's get into it. Let's enough, go into enough it. Okay. So around. so 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 this episode opens with Andy and Barney hanging out in the jail, talking about lunch. In a fucking simulating conversation. This one. Where should they go to lunch? Uh, how do they feel about different lunch specials? Which is like the most accurate portrayal of mundane human life <laughs> in recent memory. You, um, you've had this conversation with a coworker very recently, <laughs> possibly today. Right. Um, and it, it is kind of great that they. I I liked this bit where they're they're having this extreme mundane conversation, and then suddenly 
a rock bursts through uh, a window and it is like 400 guns went off. Like suddenly it's fucking chaos. A window goes through the rock. Andy says, you know who that is, don't you? They run outside. They yell for Ernesty Bass to get in. And then suddenly there's a great deal of screaming. Yeah. And just basically they just drag him into the building. There's like a four minute scuffle where they're all like grappling each other. They basically there's a there's a really fucking good joke where they take away Ernestine's bag of rocks and Ernestine is just kind of talking about his love life while Barney repeatedly goes, what's up with the bag of rocks, man? OK, cool. But what is up with the bag of rocks? <laughs> Still haven't explained the bag of rocks. Um, it's true. It's true. Like, I. At first, I was going to make fun of this for being yet another boring non-joke conversation, but you're right. It is just like three minutes of Andy and Barney waiting for the plot to arrive. And then the plot arrives! The plot (laughs) kicks in the front door with two Roman candles in each hand. and uh, Just arms akimbo with (laughs) AK-47. Plot, 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 rainbow afro on like who wants some plot motherfuckers just with a t-shirt cannon strapped to each leg (laughs) um so so the plot that uh ernest t rides a fucking dragon with (laughs) is ernest t uh if you've never heard our episodes on ernest t bass before he is um he's a goblin man he's a weird (laughs) feral child who lives out in the mountains uh and is basically not fit for human society he is a demented little pervert a demented little rabid goblin pervert from the depths of hell who uh is semi-homeless um i think it it's implied that he has a home but it's just like an abandoned shack he squats in um he might have superpowers, at least teleportation. Yes, yeah, he does like appear you, to be some form of horrible magic. You you, um, you cannot hold him. Yeah, like, it is. He is a demonic figure. He is both the worst because he is constantly doing reprehensible things, usually to women, or and also the best. Because he comes into the episode and he kicks Andy's fucking teeth in. Every single episode, the the decision, the the struggle is not to defeat Ernest T. Bass, not even to reason with him. It is to survive Ernest T. Bass, I, and to be clear, usually it fails. Right. This and, this is like the fourth or fifth time he's ever uh, he's appeared, and uh, every single time Andy's approach has always been. All right, let's negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> More or less. Uh, basically, it starts out with, all right, what if we give Ernest T. Bass 50% of what he wants? All right, what if we give him 100% of what he wants? <laughs> yeah. All right, what if I just give him my blood <laughs> on top of everything he wants? I'm out of options here. So what if we what if we get him to say sob T. Testern, test, testnery, sabti testnery, and then he'll return back to his actual dimension. His oh nope, dimension. that made a car appear. He has a car now. Oh god, oh god, he's mobile. Oh no, oh no, saying his name backwards just made him more powerful. Oh, he's Tokyo drifting through a school. Oh shit. <laughs> like this, he's a he's a chaos demon. He comes 
like sometimes I describe people showing up here as like acting like they came from a different television show. Ernest E. came from a different plane of existence. Yes. And so when he, when he shows up in Mayberry, like shit's gonna go down. It's gonna be gross and weird. And yeah. Marty and Dan are gonna have a good time. But also, I no, we're not. Marty and Dan are not gonna have a good time. It's basically. I I hate to make this comparison. He's basically like a South Park character if they were like, ah, too rapey. That's pretty much what he is coming from. He's the Joker. He is... He is the, he is the most Joker. This is what it would actually be like. Really fucking annoying. <laughs> so, that's that's him. So, that's it. Um, that's Ernest T in a nutshell. So in this in this episode, he comes in and he mentions that uh, his lady friend Ramona, who we uh, we saw in the last episode that Ernest T appeared in, Ramona's whole deal is she's also she's like a member of polite society, but like she's also a psychopath hidden underneath that. And uh, Barney Barney being a eugenicist shocks that up to genetics. Uh, because yeah. his her grandfather was also a psychopath, I guess. Uh, so I guess Ramona, I would be the Harley Quinn uh, to uh, Ernest's Joker. The the impetus for this is Ernest wanted to get married. Ramona turned him down because he's she thought that he needed some book learning. He needed an education because he Ernest is thoroughly is illiterate. F- thoroughly illiterate, not even functionally illiterate. Like Ernest doesn't know how letters work together he does not know the alphabet is what we've seen all right continuity error nitpick here Ernest knows how to write we know that Ernest knows how to write because he writes notes and then puts him on and then attaches them to rocks and throws them otherwise who's writing those letters for Ernest right he's got a guy (laughs) he's got a weird old man in a cardboard box somewhere writing the notes for him just Um, dictating it yeah like an, an old guy with a long beard and no legs that he just hi, he pays in nickels to write letters for him. Yeah, I, I that's the most reasonable explanation. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Um, uh, so, 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 yeah, Ernest T um, has zero education whatsoever, cannot read, cannot write. He can recognize words uh, based on like context. He can recognize words like no trespassing. Uh, yeah. Or no hunting, you know, beware of dog, because he is a hobo, basically, mm-hmm. a transient. Uh, but he wants to get an education. And Andy's like, well, my girlfriend is a teacher with absolutely no will or authority or backbone of her own. So I can make this happen, I suppose. Yeah. So it's um basically uh, Andy's like, all right. Because Ernest T. Bass's threat is, I will take this bag of rocks and I will keep breaking windows until you teach me how to read and do math. And right. um, but Barney is like, okay, well, this isn't our problem, and we should tell him to get out of town. And Andy basically says, well, we have no recourse here, um, yeah, we, because we have I, no way to stop him. A great detail is they physically cannot arrest him. Because he has the magical goblin ability to just leave jail whenever he wants. Um, yes. So their options are basically uh, give him what he wants or kill him. I also we're imagine that he's get into very how slippery. Much, 
Yes. And I, oh, and I God. mean, I mean that literally, not figuratively. I, I, I feel like it's very hard to hold on to him. Yeah, I feel like I feel also like he's just got try... like a light sheen of olive oil over him at all times. I feel like also if they tried to kill him, it just wouldn't work. Like if they oh, shot no. him in the heart, he would be like, "Oh, he I can't ate be four con- dog hearts three years ago. I got plenty of them." He can't be killed by conventional means. We cannot stress how weird this character how is. How weird and all-powerful this character is. <laughs> and off-putting. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's it, in a lot of our conversations about Ernest E. Bass, it's going to sound we, like we like him. We don't. Just got to be very clear. We disavow Ernest E. Bass. We don't in... approve of him or anything he does. We are not fans of Ernest E. This is... Probably the least objectionable episode that Ernesty e. Bass is in. It's probably the one that portrays him as the most human. Uh, and it's still pretty fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy's plan is basically, he's like, all right, I'm going to help him. And yeah, so what, what you said is he, t- he shoves him off on Crump in what is an astronomically bad idea. And the way he pitches it to Helen Crump, his girlfriend, the school teacher, is so half-assed and poorly thought out that he clearly does not believe it's going to work. He's just like, she's like, you want to put a deranged adult in my classroom full of children? That won't work for reasons that are that outside of this immediate situation would be true. And Andy's argument is like, well, maybe he would be an inspiration to the children. On the, They'd be so inspired to see an adult man trying to better himself. And she's like, that sounds like bullshit. And he's like, yeah, goodbye. A, a better argument would be like, you know, he's an inspiration in the way that the D.A.R.E. program brought in like recovering crackheads, you know, to get me to not do drugs. Or at the very least, like men pretending to be recovering crack, like crack addicts. I shouldn't say crackheads. That's That's not a good term, but like. Now that I think about it, that was all... I mean, I know the D.A.R.E. program was bullshit, right? But I feel like those were actors. I feel like those were guys pretending that they were You guys got actual crackheads in your... I don't think we did. I don't think we did. We just got shown videos of them. That's true. Look look at your D.A.R.E. D.A.R.E. program with a budget. No, I never... Hang on a second. Did you also get the video where we watched a like a cartoon rabbit do heroin? Yes, it was so horrible. <laughs> do you remember that shit? Yeah, that was so weird. They showed us they showed us how to find a vein on a cartoon rabbit. What the fuck was that? If anything, that was really training me how to do drugs. Like, if anything, the Dare program made me better at drugs. Yes. Like, they were like, oh, does this look like fun? And then they had a pink rabbit find a vein and tie himself off. And I was like, no, and it didn't seem fun before. You had me at at syringe. I was good. I didn't want to do this. You didn't have to show Bugs Bunny, like, shooting up. I'm cool, man. I'm 10. I mean, I, it, didn't, it didn't make me want to do this, but, like, you know, uh, just historically, if you want a child to not do something, having a cartoon bunny do it is not the way to do it. Yeah. It's not the way to go about that. I just... But also, yeah, that, 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 fuck it, I'm 10 years old. I just want to do social studies. You know, Mrs. Roberts is going to teach us about, like, the ancient Egyptians or something today. Nope. No, it's time to have a cop come in. I remember our, our officer, like, our 
our dare off very clearly. His name was Officer Quigley. Hey, Officer Quigley, fuck you. Um, yeah, fuck and, you, Quigley. And I, I remember watching that that terrible video of an animated rabbit, and I don't remember what I was supposed to learn from it, but that image has been burned into my fucking retinas forever. All right, so anyway, uh, Ernesty so, Bass might be an animated heroin addict rabbit, but the point is, uh, he is I, I, he's I not wanna... a good example for children. You should not put this man near children. So I, I, I just want to point out. So they're putting adult man in a classroom with children. I'm not. I'm not positive that uh, in this in the time period of the Andy Griffith Show, things like community colleges or adult education programs existed. But if Absolutely not, this not. is a pretty good reason to invent one. <laughs> this is this is prob that's probably what you should have done instead of be like, well, we got to figure that out. Except I did fucking research it. Um, the GED program was launched in 1942. By the 1950s, it, initially it was for soldiers returning from war. By this point, it would have been accessible to everybody. Uh, junior colleges have been around even longer than that. Uh, adult education programs have been a staple since uh, since the 20s. So there were so many resources that they could have dumped him into. The only excuse would be they're in the fucking South, where there yeah. is no municipal government to speak of. Once again, like, a social, any social program whatsoever beyond cops would have made this this a lot easier. Or at least made it someone else's problem i don't know uh but, but, but dan, they... dan the problem the problem you're, you're saying there is like with the exception of maybe the adult education programs uh because you mentioned the ged which is for like people who at least have like a high at, like a basic high school level or junior colleges these wouldn't work for Ernest T for the same reason that helen crump points out which is i'm a fifth grade teacher yes this man does not know the alphabet the my the, it's not gonna work this man needs to fully billy madison this and go all the way back to first grade yes yeah. the, he should be drawing a blue duck so it, instead of doing any sort of robust program whatsoever what they basically do is uh turn a room full of children into potential kidnapping victims and, and look again we cannot stress this enough Ernest T has done multiple kidnappings at least like two one of his he has at least two, two moves throw rocks kidnap people it's like that's all he's got in the tank and you just have so many vulnerable children waiting to be on milk cartons in sitting with him in that room having a great time yeah the, the kids don't really respond to him which i thought was a missed opportunity right the kids are all very polite and charming and they kind of sit there only one child like has a, a a line in the classroom and she's kind of just sits there and smiles and answers the question and waits politely for Ernest T. I'm not saying I wanted more Ernest T interactions with children. I feel like that would have been horrible, but also it seems like seems like there's a missed opportunity there, right? Like I feel to like they basically do the plot of Billy Madison. To do the plot of Billy Madison, but also like, you know, I, okay, if they had done this, then obviously the movie Billy Madison would never have existed, and that would have, you know, we would never have had any other, else of the Sandman's career. Is so, this funny, Dan? Is it funny it, watching it kinda, Ernest? It's kind of is. Fun. I laughed. I laughed at these. I laughed. I laughed at Ernesty. Uh, the first example is uh, 
Helen Crump writes a sentence on the, on the blackboard, uh, and it's something like, the possum hid under the rock or something, and she's asking the kids, okay, what's the subject, what's the object? Ernesty Bass gets really excited and he yells, I, I can tell you about possums. I can tell you, we're going to open up that rock and see what's under the possum. We're going to find out what the possum's going to do. Here's it's, all the ways that you can get a possum out from under a rock. I'm authoritative on this subject. And I'm excited about that. It's, it's, I'll say it, it's funny. It's funny. It, it wears out its welcome very quickly. Uh, yeah. It goes a, on too long. It's a really good three minute joke that goes on for like five minutes and it's and that's the whole thing so she so he is interrupting everything uh he's the next like later basically that having weapons grade adhd yeah more or less yeah and he won't sit down he's disrupting the whole classroom uh later on that night uh they get opie's old first grade notebook like his old like first grade classroom and try to teach him a few words like you know, do you understand how word, how words work? Which is also kind of funny. I I, I, la- I laughed at a lot of this despite myself, and most of it is just Howard Morris. Howard Morris who plays Howard Morris is so I don't know what he's doing, but he's really good at it. He's going like he's basically throwing shit at the wall. Like he he's doing like fifty things a minute, and at least like thirty percent of it is hitting. So it's pretty it's it's pretty fucking good he gets into the classroom helen crump is completely unable to teach him they should have scrapped it five fucking seconds in kick him out of the classroom call in the state police burn the town (laughs) if you have to this is over like the second he start just started screaming about a possum she should have been like well mulligan on this let's go andy actually has like some luck teaching him. He yes. sh- they should have just done that. He should have just personally tutored him. That's what worked. He taught him words. Yeah, and, and and he like, and this is what I meant when I said earlier. This is probably the most human that we've ever like done. Uh, Ernest T. You know, he's he's appreciative. He has a line like, you know, when you're a no account like me, you really appreciate it when people do things to you, and you, you start to feel a little like sympathy for Ernest T. A little bit the way that he delivers most of these things. And uh, at at a certain point, I'm like, I'm rooting for you, Ernest. I want you to learn some words. He's so dumb. That's (laughs) kind of the thing that he is so stupid. And you can understand the way his shitty, like bat, terrible brain is functioning where he's basically a feral animal trying to be a human. Yeah. And all of it, you know, it, it's working a little bit. I, I start to feel him for him. And then we get to the next scene. The next day, so, the next day, uh, Ernest so he, he, he starts popping off because he comes in and he's ready to, to show off that he knows how to read a single sentence now. Uh, and it's not really a sentence. He just put all of the words he, he knows together. It's not a sentence, but it's the words he's, un- he's learned by sight, like yeah. keep out of yard, dog will attack, stuff like that. Um, uh, the, the the success that Andy has is he teaches Ernest that if you remove the ing part from hunting, you get the word hunt. Congratulations, yeah. Ernesty. You know a new word. Fine. Whatever. You, you did it, Andy. Good job. Yeah. So he goes in. Instead, she's teaching math that day. And he starts basically acting up about how he wants to talk about reading. The kids are losing their shit in the background. They are getting decades of material out of this. 
they are going to be able to talk about this shit into their 30s. Crump is losing. It's so much better than a heroin addict rabbit. Yes. God, they're going to talk about this shit at their high school reunion. (laughs) The ones of them that haven't been carried off into the wood by mountain lunatics. Um, but going to be really great material for Opie's podcast. (laughs) Crump is rapidly losing authority in the room. She, again, she is no longer an authoritative figure in this situation. Another adult has come into the room, called her whole thing bullshit and won't sit down. She is no, it's done. She's screwed. She should move away. It's over. She's lost this classroom. Um, so she does the one thing that she can do. She has one other option. Uh, and she straight up says, look, I'm a teacher. I've never done this to a student. You're a grown man and you're making me do this. Fine. And then she hits him with a ru- with a ruler. She smacks, she smacks him with a ruler, gets the chalk from him, from him and says, go sit down. And then he gets rock hard. It, there is, there's an awakening there. You can see in he. I'm, I'm going to give it to him. He does a great job acting it. Um, they He really sells it because um, you can see in his eyes the progression of his dick becoming turgid. Like, you can... It, it's, it's inescapable. You can, you can basically stop at the exact second mark and be like, and it got to the tip. He's good. Um... Yeah, he she she hits him with the the chalk and his eyes glaze over and he goes I love you. Cut to a commercial for cigarettes. So, I, so look as as we say this out loud, I almost I almost canceled tonight's recording session after you know, watching this because I was like, oh shit, we should have somebody on here. We should get a psychologist. We should get like a sex psych. Can we get Timmery back? Can we get Doctor Timmery. This seems all over wheelhouse. I'm glad we didn't, because I don't want to know more about what the fuck is happening. I don't want to know more about the psychology behind this, but we're going to get into it because it becomes a plot point. Yes. Right? So, so now now, now the plot is, once again, somebody else has fallen in love with uh, with Helen Crump. And she has she's same... such a fucking catch. <laughs> I hate She it. has the same facial expression from this as she does... For Opie falling in love with her, which I can really only describe as, I need to get the fuck out of this town. (laughs) I need to stop living here so urgently. I don't know why that real estate agent can't close on my house. What the fuck? She always looks like she's trapped. She always looks like... like (laughs) She... She looks like... She looks like an animal that just arrived at the zoo and doesn't know what the glass barriers are. Thelma Lou gets into these same situations and her facial expression is like, oh boy, how am I going to get out of this one? And Crump gets into these situations and she just gets a thousand yard stare and she's just looking back at all the forks in the road in her life and the choices she made that brought her here to this moment dealing with this person. It's haunting. Can I say? Is, can I just say this though? Yeah. I hate Helen Crump. She sucks. She She's nothing. Sucks. She sucks as a character. Uh, she, there's just, she doesn't have anything to do. She and Andy do not have any chemistry whatsoever. I've got a feeling that the only reason she was kept on so long is because 
the actress Anita Coruscant and uh, Andy Griffith himself were having an affair in real life, which yeah. is so weird. I like they've actually had sex, but they have on the screen they have zero chemistry, like whatsoever, and they just they never give this character any agency. In in this episode, right, uh, it, it kind of culminates with her saying. All right. Well, what we're doing here makes a mockery of me, my profession, the entire the entire institute of education. But okay, whatever. Like she doesn't. I just she's I, she's not like okay, whatever. She's repeatedly told to shut up. Yeah. Um. It, like, and then she just kind of goes I, on with it. I and this this I, is the I one that sticks. I'm reading. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but her overwhelming trait just seems to be and. I'm, I, I'm not saying this uh, facetiously, that she hates her life. Just a deep, overwhelming sadness. She seems so sad and miserable and regretful of being here. Like the and we've hated, I think, with the exception of the first one, every Andy Griffith love interest to some degree. They've always been nothing to some degree. I think they've been vacant or annoying. This is rude. This is the least personality of all of them. I don't even dislike her. I just want to get her out of here. I want to get her help. I want to raise money to get her a relief effort. I don't. I don't care. I don't. I've no. I don't care about this woman at all. I mean, she's not doing a lot to make her own situation better. She does seem to suck kind of as a person, but she hates this so much. And I'm like, are you sure that you did that you guys meant to do this? I've been listening to our old season one episodes. And look, season one wasn't perfect. Yeah. Season one wasn't perfect, right? But you had the bones of stuff there. You had Eleanor Donahue as Ellie being a foil. Like, yeah. having a personality, uh, having admittedly very vague and wishy-washy, but having motivation. You know, there there are some, like, weird beginning proto-feminist leanings to it. So you had somebody to stand up. And be like, no, Andy, this is the way that we sh- we're going to do things now. You had a fucking concept for a show in Ellie. Yeah. And and they've just slowly taken and just ripped all personality out of not just Ellie, not just the love interest, but every female character. And by every female character, I guess I mean Aunt B. Uh, yes. So they've just slowly stripped everything from it. Oh my god! And so I, I wish, I wish that the show had, con- if if the show had continued on the path, uh, that season one laid out for us, we wouldn't be doing this show. Like we would have gotten season two and been like, this is fine. And then, yeah, basically, Ellie would have continued to develop, and it would have been a delightful back and forth. Yeah, and it would have just been a, a TV show that you and I have no opinion about. Yes. Instead, it's this, and we're just watching. I hate this. this. I hate this so much. It's sexually harassed by a horny little toad. (laughs) So that's what that's what happens. Uh, The next scene is literally that horny little toad standing outside of Helen Crump's house, screaming, "I love you! Come out and meet me! Come out and be with me!" Uh, Throwing a rock at her at her window, and Andy's like, "Okay, man, you threw a rock, and uh, I'm gonna arrest you now." While he hollers outside, like, he throws him in the back of the car, and Ernest, he hollers out the window like a dog, just that he loves her. And again, she should really put, like, I'm not saying she should move, but she should really 
put her stuff in a suitcase and find somewhere else to stay. He knows where she lives. That's not okay. This is very bad. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a bad situation. You know what else is a bad situation? I Look, I know. I, I, I always know that anytime I'm, I critique the policing in here, I come across as pro-cop. But I'm just going to say, man, if you're going to have cops in your town, the windows, the back windows shouldn't roll down. Yeah. Yeah. This is really, uh, the, I mean, <laughs> it's hard not to. Did he lock the door? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's is actually there... a police car, Marty. I think it's just a car. Like, it's just a car that they, 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 they might put, have child locks. They just, they put an alarm on it. It plugs into the cigarette lighter. It's yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard not to be pro cop in the face of a super villain <laughs> like like it's magneto just, is here it's, it's just kind like, of look if, if if you if you want there to be cops at all these guys are not good at copping no they're <laughs> horrible again they are a terrible example it is a woman a woman is the victim of a violent dangerous stalker not just a, a woman history. his girlfriend Either, the yes. sheriff's girlfriend <laughs> Is the victim of stalking by a violent criminal, a violent criminal with a past of kidnapping. And they're just like, oh, man, we're out of moves. <laughs> we put him in a he, they put him in a jail cell knowing that he's going to break out. He does, in fact, break out. The, this does lead into, I would say, arguably the best joke of the entire show. Which is, um, they lock Ernest T. Bass up, and Barney is like, alright, here's what we gotta do. I gotta take him out behind the jail cell, and I just gotta lay a beat down on him. We've, we've seen take... him do this before. Yeah, I just gotta beat the living shit out of him, and, you know, that'll straighten him out, we'll send him out of town. And Andy, without missing a beat, just goes, he'd kill ya. Uh, Delivers it completely straight. Does It's, it's not a joke to him. He just says, he'd yeah. kill you. And it, yes. beca- it becomes a running line, like, multiple times, he says, he'd kill you. Like, and he, it's funny because he means it, and it yeah. is completely accurate. Ernest it, T. Bass would literally kill him if they thought. And it, it's so funny because we've gone through five Shit. through five fucking seasons of coddling Barney's ego. And, well, Barn, I don't know if that's a good idea. And this time he's just direct. He's just like, that's how you know he means it. It's like he doesn't beat around the bush. He no, he'll fucking kill you. Yes. You would do die. Do not even think of doing You that. would die. And I, I am going to say they do do this joke again. And in an absolute, like, we need to unfurl a George Bush mission accomplished banner. They did the rule of threes. They, they, they not only do the rule of threes. They not only do the rule of threes. There's a fourth one that comes from Helen. Helen yes! gets a point. Helen they gets fig- one. They figured out that a joke gets funny if you do it in a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> they've gone close. They've done the rule of twos several times. And they've been like, ah, this is almost great. Um... I feel like we come across as pro-save-the-cat almost as much as we come across as pro-cop. And again, it's just like, look, we're not saying that all jokes and all scripts have to be written this way, but we are saying they work, and it's kind of fun watching you discover that they work. Save-the-cat, while I think um, just being a good writer is preferable to save-the-cat, save-the-cat is preferable to writing in crayon. (laughs) (laughs) See. 
<laughs> Save the crat cat is preferable to just stream of consciousness grievances about your neighbors and people you met on the way to work. And your weird sexual hangups and uh, how you uh, how you got turned on by getting slapped around a little bit. Yeah. So this so, is the, I, this is what fucking happens, right? Barney straight up says they have a little conversation, uh, and then Andy goes, "Man, it's weird though. He wasn't into her at all until she hit him with a ruler." And Barney goes, "Oh man, you know what that is? That's a that's a mother figure fixation. That's some Oedipal shit. Sigmund Freud wrote all about this." And the, I guess the joke is that he mispronounced Sigmund Freud's thing, but like. Bar- Barney knowing a little bit of psychology has been a recurring gag throughout this entire this entire show. Every once in a while, it comes up like it's just a a a, a character mark of him, and he's close on this one. Like he gets the basic like pop cultureized gist of it. I suppose I don't know. I don't really know my Freud, but that's what we all kind of think of. Dan, I I flipped through some Freud quotes because. I, I did read him in college, but I haven't retained shit about shit since then. Um, so I was like, does this track at all? And two relevant things I found was um, Freud saying that the function of love is uh, you are so possessed by lust that it takes away the energy that would normally be devoted towards yourself, towards your narcissistic tendencies. That energy goes towards uh, your sexual affection for another person which in turn causes you to be more altruistic, which in this case, not fucking true. Nope. Not even remotely swinging a miss from Freud. He becomes, if anything, worse. (laughs) Another thing he says that this is not nearly as relevant, but it is, it is a fun example of, uh, you know, looking at relationships through Freud. One never chooses as an object of love, a woman who is unattached. That is a girl or independent woman but only one whom another man has some right or possession, whether husband, betrothed, or near friend. In some cases, a given woman can be ignored or even treated with contempt so long as she uh, belongs to no other man, but instantly becomes the objects of feelings of love as soon as she comes into a relationship with the kind of man described with another man. So basically just um, women are only hot when... Uh, they're already in a relationship. Fucking crushing at Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sig going his own way here. <laughs> he really is. He, he has 400 quotes about like, the only thing holding this world together is love. Love is the purest thing in the entire world. But also, love is only when you want to fuck your friend's wife. Just a second, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go over to Reddit and see if there's an r slash Sig pilled. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! All right, so I, I, I feel I feel like Sigmund Freud is not the greatest example, you know, to go off of here. Of and also, I think a lot of Sigmund Freud's theories have been debunked by later psychologists, um, pretty well. For, but and, it was it was pretty much just a guy would come in and be like, "Man, I keep beating my wife," and he would just be like, "Well, that's because you want to fuck your mom," and it'd be like, "Oh, you know, I think I want to, uh, I think I want to uh, fuck my friend's wife." Well, that's because you want to fuck your mom. Like it was just kind of his. Is is catch all for like it was his I move. don't was have his move. a move here and, and and that and that's what happens here right and uh, is the like pop culture understanding of Freud uh, and Barney kind of says okay well it's, it's clearly like he's not in love with her he loves her because of his love for his mother right 
okay, well, what you weren't planning on is like this dude getting horny for his mother because Bart because Andy goes and straight up says, "Hey, man, when I'm going to ask you a personal question, did your when you were growing up, did, did your mother hit you?" And he looks wistfully. Ernest T looks wistfully off to the distance and goes, "Oh, she hit me all the time. Oh, she was a wonderful woman." Again, you can go and watch this shit if you do not believe me. You can go on Paramount Plus and go watch this shit if you don't, if you think I'm making it up. By the way, it's kind of funny how long we've been doing this that the Andy Griffith Show has now passed through three different fucking streaming services. I know. We started on Netflix and went to Amazon Prime. Now it's on Paramount At least Plus. It's fucking and, hey, free again. Listen, if anybody on Paramount Plus is listening to this, can you just do us a favor and dedicate some server space to the Andy Griffith Show? <laughs> It looks like it is being rendered on a Game Boy Color. It, it looks like dog shit. It buffers like a fucking QuickTime video, man. It is. Like, it it looks like it is being displayed to me on a light bright. They move like 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 a child experimenting with stop motion, right? Like <laughs> it looks like it looks like the flip pages in Captain Underpants. <laughs> <laughs> so shitty paramount plus you're the worst fucking streaming service paramount plus man please please dedicate like any bandwidth to the andy griffith show you are cbs this should be important to you yes (laughs) okay uh got that grievance out of the way uh (laughs) so so andy andy takes this man's psychology which is being held together with rubber bands and duct tape and he just basically starts digging around in this guy's brain with a rusty trowel and just being like, let me see if I can rewire this. Maybe if I punch some stuff, you know, this will just start up and he'll start being a functioning member of society. And then the predictable outcome when he says, well, you don't love Helen Crump. He, she's your mother figure. He just becomes worse. Right. In every way. And, and I also do want to point out, before this, Ernest T had gone, wait, is she your girlfriend? And Andy is like, we are, yes, seeing each other, as if he's at gunpoint. And Ernest P is like, okay, man, cool, that's cool. Um, She's your girl. I like you and respect you, so I'm not going to try to steal your girl. And Andy's like, all right, well, that didn't solve it enough, <laughs> so let me... I mean, he, he does say, like, I don't want to put you out, Andy, but also, I'm so, I like her so much. I love her. I can't help myself. So he's like, that doesn't solve it. At one point, Andy is talking about what the plan is to move forward. And Ernest T. Bass announces, I'm your slave. Yes. At which point, he calls himself threw... Andy's slave. And he says, um, he says it like, I'm your slave. And at that point, I just threw up my hands. I was like, they have to know. They have to know what they're doing, right? They have to There's know. There's no way. They have to know. It'd be one thing if they just had that in, but that delivery, they know what they're doing. Come on. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. Like, a, the weekend before this episode was written, uh, Everett Greenbaum got his ass spanked uh, at a Hollywood party on barbiturates. What he was doing for barbiturates. Have you heard of these orgies? <laughs> I attended one, and I must say, it was a delight. There were some things. And I came away with so much material. There were some things Fritzel, he was working through. Why are you not meeting my gaze? Fritzel! <laughs> Fritzel, you look at me. You look at me when I'm talking to you. 
My cup runneth over with ideas, Fritzel. And Fritzel's like, yeah, man, I'll look you in the eyes when you take your hand out of your pants. <laughs> Fritzel, I've been going to these parties. You must come. Fritzel, I have. Fritzel, I need you to look me in the eyes or else I can't finish. This is what Hollywood has done. I've had an awakening, Fritzel. Do you remember when we were two fresh-faced boys from Iowa? Come away to the big city. Well, now I've been tied to a cross and whipped, and I must say it was ecstatic. (laughs) A woman put me on a leash, Fritzel, and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, Greenbaum is going through some shit in this episode. (laughs) Man, and it shows. Greenbaum discovered this week that you can pay for sex, and he is having the time of his life. Oh fuck. I really hope so, I really hope that like whenever we do get like actually outed by the Andy Griffith fan community, I hope this is the episode they listen to. Yeah. I hope I'm actually I I, I kind of am tempted to just kind of show up in their uh in their like Facebook group and just drop this one in. There you go guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> At last we must reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Like <laughs> Andy Griffith SM episode. What's up? <laughs> We we drop we just drop a recording into the two chairs no waiting uh Reddit group or whatever they oh, have. Oh, it's Facebook. And These guys don't know Reddit. Into the Facebook. And then uh we go off the grid for a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah. Uh we just like go rent a couple of like hotel rooms in undisclosed locations. Huh. And then we just let things blow over. Seems like something you might do when like both of us are gonna be, you know, away for a little bit say at a large event that is happening outside of the contiguous united states maybe <laughs> patreon we raise an angry mob against us <laughs> we, we we gotta hit like at least 150 subs for that before we invite death threats uh okay so i i, I got my thing about the angelus out i really wanted to talk about that how does this episode um, wrap up, Dan? So Andy basically comes up with the idea of, listen, he's not going to stop doing any of this. He's he started, he's gone from shouting outside of her house that he wants to marry her to calling him, calling her his mom. Right. And following her around and basically doing the exact same thing. But instead of screaming wife, he's screaming mother figure. Right. Um, right. He, so, he's like, I'm I a boy needs to help his mother figure. I need to help you carry things. And I need to be your I need to be under your heels, mommy. God damn it. I, it's and she goes. This is like the most overt where she like marches up to Andy and she's like, you need to make this stop now and i think she means call get him a prison please send him away for the safety of me and the greater community and instead he's like all right i'll do a scheme if you want yeah i gotta Fuck. gotta do an old-fashioned andy griffith i'm not even calling this a con he's just it's, lying a, 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 he's just lying and giving this man everything he wants and basically what it says is all right so he won't stop until he gets an education. So we're just going to give him a test on extremely basic facts about geography uh, and math that I'm going to teach him. And then you're going to give him a diploma that says he has learned something. 
To which Crump, as you mentioned earlier, basically says, this is a horrible mockery of my career and everything I've uh, dedicated my life towards. To which Andy says, tough shit. Yeah. Uh, and You got uh, a better idea? Like, Barney is like, this is the most pathetic thing we've ever participated in. And Andy just goes like, shut up. Both of you, shut the fuck up. Okay? <laughs> All right? We're out of options. I'm getting my ass kicked here. I just we just got to do this. Can I say even though I don't love how Barney's like whole solution to everything is corporal punishment, even though I don't love that, I got to say I really like how Barney is so from the ver- from minute 1 is not on board with any of this and is very yes. clear about it. He's like we we should not be involved in this at all. Come on, man. I I love how this is what Ernesty Bass's fourth appearance, fourth or fifth, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, Andy is basically completely caught off guard and is on the back foot the entire time. And at this point, he should really have multiple Ernesty Bass remediation strategies on the books, right? Rehearsed and ready. There to should go. be a standard be- operating procedure for this. They should be doing Ernest T. Bass drills <laughs> on a monthly basis. They, they, they should. They, they need to. They need to like, like, dress up Floyd in a dirty vest and a paperboy cap and have him throw like foam rocks as it through the town. <laughs> ho ho! It's me! It's me, Ernest T. Oh ho! Yeah, <laughs> and they should. They, this basically justifies their budget because they'd be like, all right, we need trank darts, strong ones. Uh, uh, we need like trading procedures. They should basically be preparing for this the way like towns in Florida prepare for hurricanes. It's, they, they should basically turn Barney into like General Everett Ross hunting down the Incredible Hulk. Like that is mm. how that is how they need to approach this shit. They, yeah, this should be Ernest T. Bass should be. 60 to 80 percent of the mayberry police department's budget um it it should just be this so but no he his his so they go through with andy's plan helen crump's eyes are screaming through the entirety of it she's just like i did a little dance that shows i can count numbers and she's like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh and like her heart is fucking breaking the entire time it's horrible and then they give him his diploma. He does a little speech about how, like, thankful he is. That is, like, kind of sweet. He's basically like, oh, you know, I'm nothing. And you guys, like, were patient with me and believed in me. Mm-hmm. To which Andy just kind of... Except now it's what? gross. Except now it's more like, now it's more like, I'm a worm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Daddy Andy, I'm a bad boy. I'm a worm. Yeah. I shouldn't, you shouldn't be around me. This is the grossest thing I've ever done on this podcast. I I was going to say, do you remember the other week when I did a sexy voice and you were like, that's horrible and you made everybody hear that? Well, it's your turn and yours was so much worse than mine. I I feel really bad about what I I just did. I did late night radio DJ at a call-in show and you just did that, bro. I didn't. I didn't like that at all. No, and you're not allowed to edit it out. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> You've been talking about it too long. Um, so, um, yeah, so, and then he's gone. 
Um, uh, and uh, presumably off to go like woo the woman he came here for. Yes, basically the plan is like, all right, now he has everything he needs to show the woman act- that he originally loves that he is educated and worthy of her. <laughs> and then they cut back to the lunch conversation, which the second time around is really the most depressing thing I've ever fucking heard <laughs> because it is just such a perfect picture of the mundanity of life where they're just like, where do you want to eat for lunch, man? You want to eat at the diner? No, I don't want to eat at the fucking diner again. I'm so sick of the diner. All right, well, then the other place we can eat is the pharmacy. Oh, God, I don't want to eat at the pharmacy. I hate the way the food tastes at the pharmacy. Well, we just got you the diner, man. All right, let's do the fucking diner. That's the conversation. That's the entire conversation. It kind of It's so sad. It lets you know that there are only two options in Mayberry unless they drive out of town to wherever it is that Juanita works. Yeah, and they hate both of them to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, and then in that, rock through the window, hard cut nah, to nah, black, nah, nah, like nah. a fucking horror movie. Because, of course, that didn't work. Right. Because why would it? <laughs> of course it would. He's still, she didn't send him away to get a diploma. She sent him away to learn how to read. He still doesn't actually know how to read. She could have just said, like, okay, well, here's any sentence. Can you read this? And he would have just been like, I know geography. Tap, 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 tap. Ha-cha! And she would have been like, okay, well, bye. So it worked out very predictably, and I'm assuming that they just did this whole thing again. Again, forever. Until death. This is this is the second to last appearance of Ernest T. By the way, he's not going to appear at all. We're free of him for the rest of the season, and then he'll appear one more time in season six. Oh, he makes his return for the color era. Yeah. Ratings. Um, ratings. Andy meter. Listen, I'm actually going to put it at like an eight. Me too. That's where I was going with. It's really fucking it's, funny. It's a funny episode. It's definitely. It's, it's, Honestly, the the he'd kill you joke is legitimately a great joke. It's a great joke. Uh, like I said, I I like Howard Morris's performance in this. Like, yeah, it's you know, I get, it it is the most human that we've seen. Ernest T. Uh, I I like I liked everything that was going on here. It's just no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it was okay. That's kind of the thing. So okay, Andy Meter, hi, Barney Meter also high <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's as funny and entertaining as it is morally reprehensible or, um, or just just upsetting really i think i yeah i don't know if i don't know uh what you could say in terms of uh in like, terms of psychic damage like long-term no, actually, lasting damage i don't know man listen guys okay, no, no 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 sorry sorry let's let's reframe it let's reframe it because i think there is a case for it take a little kid put him in front of this episode of tv you think they're coming away a better person? <laughs> no. That kid's getting worse, either a little or a lot. <laughs> Depending on how, how well the concept of love and punishment seeps into their brain. That kid's walking away with a rough idea of S&M, and it's tied to Ernest T. Bast's grinning face. Alright, alright. here's for, for the purposes of this episode and this episode alone, I propose that we replace using your metric. Does this child is this child better or worse? 
We replaced the, the Fife meter with the Rabbit Heroin Addict meter. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to Rabbit Heroin Addict, where does this land? I'm going to say it's better than a Rabbit Heroin Addict, but not by much. It, I think it... And and now I'm not allowed. Thinking... Now I'm not allowed to cut the rabbit heroin addict bit from earlier. I was going to cut that and make a Patreon only, but now I can't. I think I think it does much more damage than the rabbit heroin <laughs> addict because it's basically it's basically it's basically baby's first guide to psychosexual domination. <laughs> like it's like like a little kid watches and just goes like oh okay so i'm supposed to get turned on when a woman hits me got it got it got it and also and that means i should throw things at her house okay cool 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 so i'm just gonna do a quick thing uh, list of things that are interconnected being horny when someone hits me got it identifying women as my mother got it stalking got it all right cool these things are all interconnected in my young forming brain fucking this is this is some BTK killer shit. This is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I'm not saying that this is everything you need to make a uh, to make a serial killer, but this is a good start. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it may not be everything you need, but it's like the uh, it's the starter package. Yeah, it's it's the first pack of Pokemon cards you get to make a very good deck. <laughs> you get you get a couple of. You get a Pikachu, a couple of Charmander, some energy cards, you're on your way. As always, you can find us on the internet. I, I, I'm going to have to stop saying as always. Break Mayberry on Twitter. Breaking Mayberry on, on uh, Instagram. Breaking Mayberry Fans is our Facebook group. Uh, email us, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Support us with your money dollars and get ep- access to uh, extended episodes, bonus material, uh, make us watch things, etc., etc., Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Remember, $8 a month gets you everything. I actually have a plug to do. Uh, Our friend, Charlie Nash, uh, recently started a podcast called Almost Major, uh, where they review movies of uh, uh, mid-sized studios uh, like like Lionsgate. One of their movies is The Punisher, uh, a movie that we fucking love. love. We love this movie, and Charlie does not. Charlie, they rip it to shreds. It makes them very unhappy. So, you know, if you want to get, like, the other side of the opinion, their Dogma episode is also pretty great. All right, so check that out. We'll link that below. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This was... I'm not going to say it was fun, but this was this was an episode. <laughs> we'll see you all next time down at the fishing hole. Dum 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 d